Our reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. Acts 13, 1 to 5. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who'd been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to start by reading something to you. What did Jesus intend when he came to earth? As you read the gospel accounts of his life, time and again, you see Jesus showing, explaining, and telling what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God. His life models it. His words describe it. And his actions exemplify what it means to live for God's kingdom. Then, through his death and resurrection, he provides a way for all people throughout all time to join him in this kingdom way of life and to bring it to others. That's one of the most interesting parts of the story. When Jesus returns to heaven, he leaves an unusual goodbye. He tells his followers that once he's gone, his spirit will come to the community that has gathered around him and fill it with power to witness to the entire world. This makes the picture of what Jesus has been up to a bit clearer. God has sent Jesus on a mission to the earth, and now Jesus is sending his people to do the same. Jesus' short life leaves in its wake not a new book, not a building, not a religious system, but a community with Jesus inside it. A community that will introduce Jesus and his kingdom to the world. I got this book um, at the end of last week at a meeting I was at, and throughout this, com- this last week as I've been thinking about today, I've had various conversations and I happened to pick up this book. And all these conversations and what I was reading all seem to resonate with where we've been this term. We've been on a journey. We've been thinking about what it means to be game changers. And that little introduction has given some new language to that. It talks about us living as a community with Jesus inside. And then how we stretch out and as a community introduce Jesus and his kingdom to the world. That's what it is to be a game changer to live as a community with Jesus inside and then to reach out and to share that knowledge and understanding of Jesus with more people. It's actually really simple, isn't it? And as we've traveled through this term, wondering about what it means for us today to be game changers, if you're anything like me, you'll have come to the end of this series with more questions than you started. And that's hard work. I have more questions now about what is God saying than I did at the beginning. I knew it was going to be exciting, but I've wrestled this week. I've wrestled with 
what, what are you saying, Lord? What are you truly saying to us if we want to be game changers? We could say, last sermon of the series, fantastic, another one done and dusted on the shelf, and we move on. But I don't want us to do that. We are moving into a different season of Christmas, and we will have a new sermon series in the new year. But we need to take with us what God has been saying to us, to us individually and to us as a church. And in some ways, it's not all clear. If I could say, here's the five things that Jesus has said, off we go. But I think it's about wrestling with it. As I think it's about each one of us taking nuggets and gems from what we've been thinking about and reflecting on and taking that on. But I think it's also, as a church community, asking some questions. And I want to get towards that towards the end of the sermon. What are some of the questions that I am thinking about for us as a church community? But what does it mean to be a game changer? What does it mean to believe in transformation? Fascinating, isn't it? We've also launched the diocesan vision this term, and we're part of that transforming church, transforming life. There's a lot going on about how we become a people who are being transformed, living in communities that then can understand and know that transformation for themselves. What does that look like? At its most basic level, it might be about talking to people, but it might mean more of that. But I want, you to, I want to take you back to a story that I told you, I think, at the beginning of this series about how I'm terrible in the hairdressers about admitting who I am. I spend most of my life being a vicar, and everybody knows who I am. And actually, there are times when I just want to go to the hairdresser and sit and not be anybody other than me. And so I've told you, if you were here, that I've been at the same hairdresser for about 10 years, and we've avoided the question altogether. And I don't think she has a clue who I am and what I do. And I'm really happy with that because it just, it's my little bit of space. But I also feel very guilty about it. Well, I went back to the hairdresser about three or four weeks ago and my hairdresser was ill. So I was given somebody else. And inevitably, after the, how are you? Have you where have you been for your holidays? Are you busy? Are you going off to do something else? The question arose, and do you work? I said, yes. <laughs> and said, oh, where do you work? And you'll, you'll laugh at me. I squirmed inside. I said, I work for a church. And she said, oh, where is that? I said, it's in Wanish. And then she said to me, Wanish? She said, you know Colin and Jean? <laughs> I said, yes. I said, oh, I used to know Colin and Jean and their friends, Chris and Terry. And then she said to me, she said, you're not the vicar, are you? <laughs> I said, yes. And she said, oh. Then she told me how ill she'd been. And she told me what a terrible year she'd been having. And she said, you're a vicar, you'll understand all this. You must get this all the time. And for all the time that she was uh, doing my hair, she talked to me about how ill she had been. She also told me what a huge support Terry and Chris had been. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and how amazing it had been. She, you know, she said, I don't really go to church myself. She said, but through this time, there's been just something, that sense of being looked after, being protected. And she said, and Chris and Terry have been amazing. And I know that they pray for me. And I thought, well, there was an opportunity that I could have completely passed by on. And our passage today, one of the things that is saying is making the most of the opportunities that lie before us. Acts 13, 1 to 5. It's a very short passage. We were going to look at the whole lot, but actually it's all within those first five verses. I thought, we don't need any more. 
There's something about making the most of opportunities. That's all we need to do. But before that, we need to be in the right frame of mind to recognize the opportunities. And the disciples worshipped and fasted. And while they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, wow, wouldn't we love to hear the Holy Spirit speak? How do we hear the Holy Spirit speak? We draw close to God. We worship, we fast. Whatever language, we want to understand that. We live closely with God, which is why Sunday is really important. It's why our home groups are important. It's why encounter is important. We live close to God. And as we do that, the power of the Spirit is within us and he speaks. We don't need to draw up a plan. And that's actually quite releasing. I've got all these questions, but actually I need to just rest with it because it's not my plan, it's God's plan. It's God who has a mission in earth and he chooses to use us. But we need to be in tune with God and we do that by drawing close to him and then the Holy Spirit speaks. And the Holy Spirit spoke and it talked uh, about the next stage of the journey. And Barnabas and Saul were to be set aside for the work that God has called them for. So after they again fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. At this stage, they don't know where they're going. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And the rest of the chapter is about the places that they go to. They didn't have an itinerary as they set off. But again, because they were close, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he led them to where God planned them to be. So actually, my questions about how do we be game changers, how do we know how we are this community with Jesus living inside us, and how we take that out into our world, is simple. We worship together. We pray together. We celebrate together. We live as community. And what sets us apart is that Jesus is amongst us. And we focus on that And we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit who will show us what we need to do. And then we make the most of the opportunities before us. So I don't squirm in the hairdressers. I relish that. And I probably still won't, but here we... What I'm dreading now is going back and my hairdresser's saying, I didn't know you were a vicar. (laughs) And I'll just sit there and squirm again. But if I'm close to God, I will see the opportunities before me. And I will relish taking them up because I will see God at work. It is not my work, it is God's work. I'm just a tool used by him. We make the most of the opportunities and they will look varied. There's a TV program on at the moment um, about a black Pentecostal church in London. I don't know if anyone's watched it. I've watched, I think there's been a second episode. I watched the first episode. It is inspiring for the BBC to be showing something like that in a really positive way, is incredible. So it's, it spent four months with a black Pentecostal church trying to understand who they were and what they did. So there's a lot of singing, there's a lot of exuberance, but there's also a lot of care and love. And taking people where they are, there's some single mums who are interviewed in the one I watched, and how much they feel cared for, even though they, they feel that you know, there's a sense in which their lives have been in a dark place for a whole lot of other reasons. They feel drawn into this church and they're loved and accepted and cared for. There's there's one mum who's got a a difficult teenager 
who's been um, excluded from school. And they support this mum and son separately and together to try and help this boy stay in school. And he's running the risk of really going off the tracks. And yet the church is saying that's important to us. It's not just about singing and praying together. It's about making the most of those opportunities. And there's so many of those people who have been drawn into that fellowship because they've been loved and cared for. What is God saying to us about that? It's about believing that God does speak. God does use so many things. So by the end of this week, my head was just buzzing with all the stuff he'd been doing. I met Bishop Sospiter on Tuesday. He's been um, in the area. He's a bishop from Tanzania who's a friendship with us. And he's been at two Thursday services. And I had uh, the joy of spending some time with him on Tuesday morning. And as well as showing me photographs of the Diocese of Tanzania and all that had been going on, he then relaxed a bit more and started talking to me about how God's been speaking to him. He said, God has been speaking to me in this season of my life in dreams. I said, oh. He said, yeah, I've never had that before, he said. He said, but God has been using dreams. I said, so I asked God, I said, how will I know that this is you? So I've set a deal with God. If I have the same dream three times... I know it's him speaking, and then I'll act on it. And they've been really specific dreams. One was pray for Alison, pray for Alison, pray for Alison. And he went to speak in the church where he was a guest speaker and said to the pastor, do you have somebody here called Alison? And they said, yes. He said, I need to pray with her. And this woman came, and Bishop Sospiter said, I don't know what I'm praying about, but the God has said, I need to pray for you. And the woman broke down in tears, and the prayer was one of healing and restoration. He believed and trusted that God spoke. That really challenged me. I'm thinking, gosh, do I believe that God will speak to me in dreams? Because he won't if I don't believe it. He won't if I don't act on it. God does speak. And that is one way in which he's speaking to this lovely, lovely man. If you've read your notice sheet, you'll see that the Viva women have received their visas that we were praying for. And when that came through this week, It just made me sing with joy because we prayed that God would do a supernatural work. And I remember emailing back Mim and saying, thank you for giving us this opportunity to pray for something that needs God's work. Because in Wanish, and this will sound terrible, there's a lot of ways in which we don't rely on God because we are able to be self-sufficient in a way that many people in the rest of the world cannot When you have nothing, you turn to God. We have so much, so there's not much we turn to God for. Yet this was a situation where only God could issue those. The bureaucracy was causing a problem. They'd been turned down. They didn't reapply for one of them, but for two, they did. And Mim sent this wonderful email through. Praise God, the visas have come. The four musketeers are on their way. And next week, we will meet them. And isn't that incredible that we can actually rejoice with them here in this place? We can celebrate that God is at work. And God is at work because those women need to be here. We need to meet them. That's joyful for us. But for the work that they are involved in, if you're an encounter, you'll remember that I talked about this picture of of being on the the watchtower and how the prophets in the Old Testament stood in the watchtower and they could see the reality of the situation but they could see the hope of the future and I had this sense that Mim was standing on a watchtower because she'd emailed me and said these women need to come because they need to be released and empowered 
beyond me. What a humble woman Mim is. She knows what she's doing, but she knows that it's limited. And if everything is relying on her, the work is limited. And she is building up leaders. And part of that journey for them is to come and to experience all that they are going to experience. It's not just coming here, but they're going to conferences, they're going to different places. And to empower Julie and Susan, they needed to be here. And what was standing in their way was a stupid visa application form. And God has powered into that. So next week, we will party. Because we've been part of that journey, and I rejoice that God gave us a prayer that we couldn't solve ourselves. And that we can see answers to that. So we need to believe that God is at work and that he will speak to us. Christmas is coming, as we're all too aware. Our shops are full of stuff. But Christmas is a season of invitation. Do you believe that your friends would love to come to a Christmas service? Because they do. Statistics are telling us that more and more people are looking to go to a church event at Christmas than ever before. So now we need to be praying. Who are those people to invite? I want you all to take away your notice sheet because it's got things on it, dates for your diary, things that are coming up. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be issuing you with invitations, specifically primed for different groups of people. We've got one that's going to go to the school, to every school bag. And so if you know families, there's going to be a particular invitation that highlights all our family-focused services. We're going to give you a bookmark invitation for the candlelit carol service. Again, a bit of honesty. I've always been slightly surprised that our candlelit carol service isn't fuller than it is and is largely our own people. Every other church I've been part of since I was 20, you've had to almost apply for a ticket because they've been so full, because people bring their friends. So I'd love you to think about who could I invite to come to the candlelit carol service that I know people in society want to come to. We've made it seven o'clock, because then you can invite them for a cup of tea beforehand. Come round to our house, have a cup of tea, some cake, then we'll all go together to the carol service, and it will be beautiful. And if you haven't got a friend to bring, join the choir. And do consider your part in this service. But it's a season of invitation. And we miss that opportunity at our loss. It's an easy one. The Church of England is setting up an app where you put all your details in for your carol service. Is there parking? Are you serving mulled wine and mince pies? Because people are looking for their closest church where they can go to a carol service. For heaven's sake, what are we doing? We've got them on. Invite your friends. Make the most of opportunities. So here is my challenges and my excitement coming out through the week. And I want to finish with my questions. Because my question came from that first part about what it meant to be a community with Jesus living inside. So I want to read another little part. This is the story of the church in Acts. The first Christians lived in close proximity to one another, shared what they had, knew and allowed themselves to be known by one another, prayed and celebrated together, studied God's teachings together, served the people around them, and were open to anyone joining in with them. This is what they called church. It was so different and inviting, and people on the outside so loved what they saw that every day 
the number in the Christian community grew as God added those who were being saved. The church was truly transformational, not only for the people involved, but for their friends and neighbours. Indeed, entire cities were disrupted because of how the people of the way lived. These Christians impacted and disrupted for God the commerce, religion, lifestyle, arts, and social structures of the day by acting out Jesus in their day-to-day lives. The church that we read about in the book of Acts was not like the temple that people simply went to week in and week out. It was completely new because it brought to the world for the first time communal life with Jesus a community absolutely committed to serving people on the outside. The church was a gift, not to Christians, but to the world. You can see why I've been challenged this week. What does communal life with Jesus look like? Or put in other words, what does it look like to be church rather than just go to church? What does it mean for us to pray and worship together? expecting the Holy Spirit to guide us in ways of living the kingdom in the whole gamut of where we go out to for the rest of the week, into commerce, into education, into business, into the arts, into social services, wherever we are. We are radical because we live Jesus' way where we are, but we are equipped and inspired and encouraged by coming together. And what does it look like for us in Wanish to share our lives in a way that is inviting to others? It takes me six weeks to fix up a dinner appointment with friends because everybody's diaries is jam-packed full. And that's a reality. But my question is, how do we share life with one another in a way that is inviting and exciting and transformational? What does it mean to share life in Wanish, not in the early church, but here today? And I want to explore that further in the new year because I think God is saying something to us. It's challenging, but we need to be church rather than just come to church. And what on earth does that look like? There's a couple of practical ways to get us going, to help us think more But I want to give you something practical, but I want to encourage you to pray along with me that we explore this further, that we don't just leave this sermon series and close the book and say right on to the next one. We say we want to be transformed and we want God still to be working amongst us. And what does that look like? I believe that the Holy Spirit does offer us the power to be able to be game changers, to be a transforming church that transforms lives. And we need ways to do that. So how do we live and share our lives together? Next week we have a bring and share lunch. That's really simple. There's a sign-up sheet outside. We're realising how on earth do we communicate things as well. That notice has been in the notice sheet and Alex has heard from nobody so far that they're coming. Do we want to come and have lunch together next week? It's really simple. It's not difficult. But we share lives and we will meet with people from Uganda and hear from them. There is a sign-up sheet if you would like to come. Add your name. Tell me how to make life easier because we're trying to communicate as best we can, but it's really hard sometimes getting response. So there's a sheet out there. 
to sign up if you would like to come and have lunch together after the church service next week. As I say, there's lots of Christmas services coming up. I will email out weekly from now on so you know what's coming up because life is busy. And if there are better ways, we will also have invitations. We've got flyers. There will be written um, communication as well as email communication. If there's better ways we could communicate, please tell us. We're trying our hardest to do this. But be aware of what is going on and make the most of those opportunities. But we need to come before God as well. If you're inspired by what Kia and Anne were saying, why don't we use Advent as a time of drawing closer to God, recognizing that life is busy, but saying, actually, there's something I could do specifically. In your new sheet, don't leave these behind, please. Take this away with you. Can I urge you to take this away? These are ways in which you might mark Advent The first one called Advent Challenge is actually a set of activities. If you are a doer rather than a reflector, you will prefer this. Every day the Bible Society will send you an email with a choice of three things to do. And this is about caring for those outside of our own church community. It might be offering a smile to someone in a bus stop. It might be taking a cake to a neighbor. There'll be three challenges and you're encouraged to choose one and to do it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were doing these random acts of kindness all through Advent amongst our communities, through Advent, sign up for that and get logged on to that. I've signed up for it. I'm really bad. I sign up for these and, then, and I read them and then don't ever do them. And I think, oh, that's really lovely. This year, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a challenge each day. Advent daily reflections are little videos that you can watch. If you're into hearing something spoken, Amy or Ewing, is again going to be releasing little video clips where you can have some teaching and some input and some time and space. And the rest are books. If you're a reader, get onto Amazon. They'll deliver them really quickly and choose an Advent book or find something else. These are just things from my shelf. But here is an opportunity, a season of opportunity as well as a season of invitation to draw closer to God. And if we're doing that individually, but as part of our community, I do believe that God will use us more and more and he'll continue to challenge. I love wrestling with God. I love that sense of, Lord, I know you're saying something. The number of conversations I've had this week and then I pick up a book that I've given as a freebie and it's saying the same thing. I know he is speaking and I don't know what it looks like, but that's okay. What's exciting is he is speaking. So come with me on this journey of searching together about what God is actually saying, believing that the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us as he did those early Christians, and we will know what he is saying. Amen.